discuss Minute 92 in the this Easter week. Dave, we, uh, one of our good friends of the show, Matthew, was sort of out shopping at Walmart and noticed uh, some Dr. Pepper marketing yep. come into stores. Yep. Uh, they've, they've slapped that Jurassic World or Fallen Kingdom uh, merchandise onto everything now. Um, uh, the, the can packs, the big bottles, all got uh, Fallen Kingdom on it. Mm. And actually, I also noticed we got a new render of the Indominus Raptor, or Indoraptor, or whatever. <laughs> we got the mm. Raptor is a new render on one of the cans of Dr. Pepper, and it actually looks really cool. I mean, you got that spine with the scutes going down the spine, and it looks really cool. Yeah, yeah, looking at a couple here, because you got that, you've got just a normal Dr. Pepper that's got the, dress, the Fallen Kingdom logo on it. Um, again, still sort of advertising that ruined, distressed logo, which is fantastic. Of course, you got Rexium Blue there, and uh, the um, st- st- <laughs> the Stiggy Moloch and mm-hmm. uh, is on there as well. So apparently, it's going to be a, a big character in the film. So that's that's great to see a lot of that marketing stuff come out. Apparently, Skittles has jumped on board as well, and they're going to have a ticket promotion coming out soon. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, they got Owen and Blue on the front of the Skittles packs with the Fallen Kingdom logo as well. So it'll be good to see that sort of packaging come out. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been out hunting for any of that stuff, or is it not really something you want to collect? Uh, I'm not really big on Dr. Pepper. <laughs> so, yeah, that's one reason I haven't. Another reason is, actually, I just bought a new hat. It's a wow. Henry Johnson Poet. The original same hat that Harrison Ford wears in Indiana Jones. So Nice. So if you're into 80s iconography, that's kind of like the ultimate score. Yeah, well, we'll yeah, we'll talk about props last minute. And yeah, that's definitely the sort of the hat and the whip. Um, yeah. To go to go on display, so fantastic, good work, man. So yeah, that's uh, that's kept me money mind minded in the past <laughs> couple of weeks. It's only a matter of time before this lost world is found and pillaged. It's so important to the future that you not finish that sentence, please. Lastly, before we get to today's minutes, um, just wanted to briefly um, bring up two. We've seen some posts over this last week of uh, composer Michael Giacchino with uh, J.A. Biona at the uh, Abbey Road Studios in London um, recording the soundtrack for Fallen Kingdom. And they uh, they teased a couple of the tracks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to hear a little bit of the music being played which was a uh, which was great. We sort of I remember for Jurassic World we sort of got um, like the score sheet he posted and saying he was um, he was doing the score. Well now we've got some actual video inside the booth as the orchestra plays, which is just fantastic. Yeah, and it I think he said it was like not the I mean he said it was the end scene, but I doubt it was like the exact like the end end scene. I think it was more like near the end and so it was like really haunting it's kind of like this like really big rush of music you know mm, yeah yeah definitely in the mansion sort of like that ending crescendo as the mm-hmm. uh either the indoraptors killed or the um the fight just finishes or something yeah that's what i think yeah so that'll be that'll be exciting um normally these soundtracks come out a couple of weeks before the film so I'm sure it won't be long now before we see a track list as well. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they uh, 
put some more memorable names <laughs> for track names. <laughs> I kind of like, like the uh, goofy tra- uh, punny track names in the last one. I like yeah. that it spoiled the movie. That's what I liked about them. Yeah, yeah, there was no <laughs> Qui-Gon's death march or whatever it was from Fleet yeah. of Menace. But, um, and I understand that because, again, it being released ahead of the film, it's one of those areas where they've got to try and stay spoiler-free. So, And even sort of looking at the Lost World score, a lot of it, okay, maybe the raptors appear, suggests that the raptors appear, but you also see the raptors in the long grass just before that, so you know they're there, and they've been talked about the whole time. Mm-hmm. Visitor in San Diego, okay, that sort of hints at the fact that, that something gets taken back to the mainland, so I suppose there's a couple of spoiler things in there, but... Yeah. It's also the time back then where you've seen the one, two, or three trailers and a couple of TV spots, and that was it. There was no online, or very little online marketing, or spoilers, <laughs> so I don't even know if the... I don't even know if the soundtrack came out before the film's release or not. I'd have to have a look at that. Anyway, that's um that's all coming out soon, so we haven't got long to wait. Uh, I mean, there's uh, some, especially in Jurassic Park three, where like, um, was it Cooper's Last Stand, Billy Oblivion? Okay, you know these guys are dying. I mean, that says it right there in the soundtrack. Billy's Billy's dead, you know, I, which ends up being funny because he was supposed to be dead, but then he doesn't end up being dead in the final cut. Mm. I, st- I-, I still questioned what Big Hat No Cattle meant when I looked at it. That's actually the na- the title of the Randy Newman song that's playing in the bar when yeah. the bar scene. Yeah, yeah. But just when you when you got the score, it's like, i seen the movie, I didn't... You don't really go to the jukebox straight yeah. away. Um, I wonder if they're going to do something similar with Fallen Kingdom with that jukebox music playing we've seen in the last trailer. They might. That'd be interesting. Yeah. All right. Ready to get into a minute ninety-two. All right. Sure. As we in a minute ninety-one of the Lost World, Sarah and Keller were frantically digging at the rear of the kiln shed, trying to escape before their two raptors at the front door had made their way inside. As we open on minute ninety-two, the digging continues. One of the raptors pauses and sniffs at the hole it's just dug again, smelling for its prey. At 91 minutes and 18 seconds, the pair stop digging, and Sarah sits back and uses a boot to try and loosen a couple of the boards so Kelly can climb through. Sarah gets down and looks out the hole to make sure the coast is clear, then tells Kelly to go, and it should be right behind her. At 91 minutes and 30 seconds, the raptor head suddenly appears as one of the two raptors emerges and tries to get in the hole. Sarah pulls Kelly back quickly, and the two run for the far side of the shed and begin the climb. At 91 minutes and 40 seconds, we cut back to Ian and the scout. The raptor's now fully through the window and snarls at him. Ian turns to notice the two raptors at the front of the kiln shed are now gone, and that the coast is clear. At 91 minutes and 48 seconds, he opens the driver's side door and climbs out and runs for the kiln shed. He opens the door quickly and runs inside, before stopping dead in his tracks. As the raptor's halfway through the hole that Kelly and Sarah had dug earlier, and it looks up at him, snarls. And this ends minute 92 of The Lost World. As we open, Sarah and Kelly are on their knees, sort of digging quickly at the back of the shed. 
interesting they found a rock to be able to use too to help them dig quickly because they haven't got clawed hands like the raptors do mm-hmm. um but once again sarah looks back at the front door and sees the raptors pounding on the wall again and yeah, which... the wall's really shaking this time mm-hmm. It knocks the uh, light bulb cage off the light bulb, and the light bulb gets knocked out. Mm, yep. Which is, again, nice little effect, same as what we've seen earlier when Nick turned the power on, just that, that light globe blowing. Mm. But, uh, yeah, more digging, more cross back to the raptors digging as well. It sort of goes back and forth here a little bit um, before they finish, and Sarah uses a boot to loosen a couple of the planks on the wall and then crawls down has a look outside to check if the coast is clear. Mm-hmm. Um, she comes back in and says, go, go. Kelly says, where do I go when I'm out? And Sarah says, it's all right, I'll be I'll be right behind you. And mm-hmm. uh, jump scare, which got me. It got me in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. It was just something that you don't realize is that the pounding stops on the door. The one raptor is still there, but the pounding has stopped. And then... Even the score quiets down too. Yeah. Um, it sort of it, yeah, it sort of calms down into just a, mm-hmm. a soft part of the score when she's sitting there loosening those those uh, planks up and mm-hmm. um that's not really something you oh yeah you're sort of looking at her what she's doing you're completely oblivious maybe because it was cutting back and forth so frequently before of them mm-hmm. digging the raptors digging and that race of who would dig the hole and get into the get in or out of the shed first but yeah and then the head comes through and it's perfect that's it's that uh you need to have that practical head there because i mean that raptor is almost in there She's uh, Kelly's almost in the raptor's mouth, you know. Yeah, it's it's a little bit weird here again because when Kelly puts her hands down, the raptor comes in beside her, but it's well into the shed beside her hands. I was almost expecting like it could have done just a, a little turn to the left and snap snap quickly as she's pulled back in or something, because it's sort of really oblivious to the fact that she's there beside its head. <laughs> Um, again, being an animatronic and not like, the puppeteers working behind, um, mm-hmm. it would have been just that little little bit more of a scare of it sort of, not only has it jumped in when they're not expecting it, but it's sort of snapped to the left, much like the uh, the raptor when it snaps up after Lex falls through the skylight, the, the ceiling panel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, um, Sarah pulls it back just in time, and um, and now they start to run back towards the left wall and start to climb. It's, uh, they only know that the ones at the back wall, but obviously they're both there because nothing's at the front door digging mm-hmm. anymore. But um, we get another look here at the power boxes on the wall. Again, HD or uh, 4K might show us them a bit more. But um, we get this nice shot of the camera slowly rising up that far wall as the two girls climb. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't seem to be a lot of lighting inside. <laughs> oh, well, they did turn the... Well, I mean, the one night light did get knocked out, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's possible other lights just never come on because they're already blown or damaged. But mm-hmm. um, it's an inter- interesting structure because it's like naturally hollow in the middle. You've got the catwalks around the outside to uh, go up and down, but it's not really much of a storage storage shed. It's built mm-hmm. for drying. We've got the parallel bars that we're going to see in a couple of minutes' time, but <laughs> that's just a weird structure to be on a dinosaur manufacturing facility. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut back to Ian now, and the raptor's completely inside the car. It's, the window's broken all the way around. It's yeah. whole head and claws are inside. And um, out of desperation, he sort of looks looks out the uh, side window for another hiding spot, then realises the other two raptors are no longer at the kiln shed door. Mm-hmm. And um, he jumps out, and he sprints for the shed. Oh, I'm going to ruin the, mag- the movie magic again for you, because in this shot here, 
in both shots, both the interior shot and the exterior shot, you can briefly see the edge of the Raptor animatronic. And you can tell it's, oh, really? you can tell it's the edge because the Raptor just stops. There's no Raptor after there. Uh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You'll notice it every time now. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll so selectively I, try I to ignore it. My misery with you. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but that happens. And it's sort of weird here, as he jumps out and starts to run for the shed, there's these five steel containers sort of lined up here, side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to be some sort of pressure ve- pressure vessels, because they've got the, the bolts around the lids to hold the lids on tight, but then they've also got sort of valves at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's something that's part of the power plant as well, or if it's if they're making their own fuel or what <laughs> what was no going idea. on. I know I included them in my map, but I have no idea to the function of them. Yeah, because they've even got the big threaded rods on the top of the lids that yeah, should have they... a big wheel. They should have a big wheel there that you can turn to like lower a, a press inside them. Yeah. Um, so again, something something they've had on the set, something they've got from the tip um, <laughs> that they've used or the scrap yard to use as debris or something for inside. Because mm. even like they've got butterfly valves on the bottom, which means there'd be a high flow of something out of the bottom of them but they don't have that sort of containment area but anyway um we also get a great shot here past Ian of the uh sort of that power plant area and the light mist blowing illuminated Mm. by that big spotlight on top of the kiln shed and as Ian runs for the shed we can see the uh the small single story room that bridges the uh kiln house and the boarding house and that large window that Sarah's about to roll out of in a couple of minutes time Mm -hmm. um when we get in the shed, there's no access door into there, so it must be accessed from the boarding house as well. Yeah, I think it might be. Um, but also, when we get the sliders, there's a there's a room that comes off the back. I always thought it was on the back of the kiln shed, but it must be on the back of this room here as well that sort of extends out past the side of the building. But but if you notice here, the roof of that small structure, it's not even as tall as the doorway on the kiln shed. No, it's very straight. And it's sort of it's weird the way it's set up because later when... Sarah falls through it. She falls onto the skylight, and the skylight comes down, hits hits the, the ground essentially. Yeah. And she rolls out the window, and it's the window's at ground level, so it's almost like it's subterranean, or something. You think it might be an access point to the rest of the geothermal uh, area, which is underground? I mean, that's a distinct possibility. Yeah, it's possible that it's underneath the kiln shed, underneath the boarding house. Those pipes are there. Yeah. It'd be all on the surface, just for airflow on that, and it's possible the turbine that's under, under, uh, underground. That's sort of like the skylight. That window is a skylight, and the sort of venting out into the open air, just all the top of the under underground structure. So, yeah, because there is a small window that's over head of the bridge section there. Mm. Yeah. Well, even that window on the side of the boarding house said it's. It's sort of, it's not really a ground story window, it's not a second story window, it's sort of right in the middle. It's sort of in a weird place where that little window is, on the side of the boarding house there. Yeah, it is. But then, but then the boarding house is sort of up, we see later on it's sort of, where the front of it is, is sort of off the ground a bit with that veranda, so it might be just sort of set higher off the ground. Um, it's funny because in the um, storyboards it's kind of like a mini lab. You see a desk, you see that the skylight lands on a desk, and on the desk there's beakers. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, even in the script, when we get there, it's sort of all described as being a lab laboratory room, but mm-hmm. um, it's just weird that there's only sort of a couple of feet from that 
fluorescent light that's hanging from the roofs that she falls on down to the tabletop and then she sort of rolls out and the tabletop's at the same height as the bottom of the window that she rolls out of and there's no there's no amount of high high def screen capping in that structure that can slow it down enough to see what's actually in the room because it's pretty yeah. much a blur but which is unfortunate but um again going back to this film there wasn't a Jurassic Park for it at the time so a lot of the a lot of the village was built to be the lab as well so but then to have something underground it's just odd that the Florida kiln sheds dirt you think that it'll be a concrete slab being the ceiling of that underground structure too it's possible that there is, and they just cover the floor in dirt, you know? Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. They didn't really dig that deep a hole, too. No. Um, yeah. That's all right. We'll get there in a few minutes. Um, but um, as Ian runs up to the door, you get to see that light from inside the kiln shed growing, uh, shining through a couple of, sort of like rusty holes in the wall of the shed. It would have been great to have sort of like the eye scene... Like, even when the raptors were pounding to have a scene of one of them sort of look through the hole to see as well, not just the fact they were sniffing inside mm-hmm. the um, the shed, but... Oh, well, it's missed. Um, <laughs> but um, he runs in and sort of closes the door behind him, and um, obviously these animals can't open doors because they haven't been able to so far. But um, Sarah and Kelly begin to yell down at him as he turns and runs into the middle of the shed and stops dead in his tracks just as a... Uh, as the minute ends, we get to see half or the front half of that animatronic sticking through the bottom of the shed, mm-hmm. that hole, and that's where we uh, end the minute. Um, did you want to say say something about the doors? Yeah, I was going to say doors? that in the village, yeah, uh, it's funny because the doors are actually knobs; they're not handles. Yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> and so far, we have not been able, we have not seen raptors been able to be smart enough to grasp knobs. It'd be pretty hard with a three-fingered hand. Yeah. <laughs> You'd imagine the claws. So that's one thing they built the village smartly with. Hmm. But um, briefly going into the uh, shooting script, Ian escapes the raptor going into the gas station uh, that's in the gas station by running the operations building because the door sort of come across that window. He was um. He was blocking all he fell through. But then uh, that's when we cut to inside the communications room and... Um, it's described as mushrooms and fungi sprout from the carpet in the town's dusty, vine-hung communications room. On one wall, there is a mural of what um, the completed Jurassic Park would have looked like. Big hotels, Ford Explorers, with tourists leaning out the windows, taking pictures. Big crowds at the fences around the animal exhibits, but none of it came true, and now even the mural is runny and dust-covered. Um, breathless, Nick barges into the room, and his eyes fall on the sophisticated radio console. It's built into the wall. He races to it and flips the switch, and he waits, desperate. And the console brightly glows, all green, red, and yellow, as it hums to life. Nick sighs in relief as Malcolm and Kelly burst through the door behind him. And so that's where Malcolm asks Nick, where's Sarah? Because she ran in the kiln house earlier, where he and Kelly sort of went and done their other thing. And that's where we sort of cut to the kiln house, and Sarah's inside beginning to climb. And uh, it all sort of happens as much the same as what we see in the next minute in the film. But it's just interesting here that at this point in the shooting script, they all, after having their own misadventure, sort of meet up at the operations building and the communications room. And this is where they start get to send the call, not Nick doing it moments earlier or a few minutes earlier. So, yeah, that's all I've got on minute 92. And that's another week done. Anything else you want to add before we get out of here for the week? No, I think we covered it all. All right, lovely. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here.
contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook, The Lost World Minute. Twitter, at The Lost World Minute. And Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. You're welcome. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way. <laughs>